Nice, dude. So we're here with Eddie Burke Jr. right now, the Connect 200 champion and uh, Kobuck 440 third place. We got I Didn't Rod winner. We got I Did a Rod rookie. You've run like three or four other races probably that I don't know about. You're making me sound good, man. Dude, yeah. Well, you're 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 pretty damn good at this, it, it appears. Um, and yeah, we're stoked to have you here. And uh I I don't really know your origin story at all. Like what what where are you from? I'm born and raised in Anchorage. Oh shit, so, from Anchorage. Okay. Yeah, city boy. Ah. And uh how'd you end up getting into dogs? So I don't know if you recall like the table 200 stuff, you know? Oh yeah, dude. You were doing this. So, actually. so a couple of my buddies were betting on, I did a rod and it was like a year after year kind of thing. And this was back when I was a garbage man. I, I was throwing trash and working down at the trash hole. So they were like, Hey, we're going to go to the banquet, the mushers banquet. We're going to do a recon mission. We're going to see who's worth betting on. And you know, who's not get the inside scoop and all that. So we get, we get kind of, we get a little tipsy. We go down to the banquet. We start talking trash. I knew shit about mushrooms. I didn't know a thing. And this was probably like 2016, I think somewhere yeah. around in there. And we go down there and I'm like, fuck, this shit's pretty cool. You know, uh, sorry. I don't know if this is a kid yeah, show or not. 100% dude. all the way, baby. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know we go down there like i said we're, we're we're feeling good and we start talking trash and i kind of see what's what really goes into the sport and how much these mushers are putting into it and what they're encountering out on the trail and the challenges and i guess it all seemed appealing so i just got kind of hooked on it and then it was like a snowball effect and then so I started going out to some kennels, running some dogs, like just picking people's brains and then doing like, you know, kind of like what you guys are doing, just trying to support the sport and show some love and like, you know, give a little attention and cover the races, that kind of crap. So um, I started doing that and it was about 2018 when I kind of really started actually like running dogs training dogs really kind of getting a, a feel for it and then 2019 Aaron invited me up to his kennel which it was kind of like a blind audition I didn't really know and um, he wanted to see how I interacted with the dogs and how the dogs like me and kind of wanted to see I guess my skill set as a musher and so him and Tony were like well I think he's a good fit. So they saw some potential in me and brought me on board for that. I guess this was the 2019, 2020 winter. And then, so I moved up here in 2021. Okay. And that's when I started, I guess my, my racing debut. Nice. Yeah, dude. I, that's like an insane come up because I started mushing in 2016 as well and okay yeah it was uh i mean to go from like what is mushing and who are these mushers and you're just kind of being a fan to like winning a couple races in just a few years is kind of kind of i mean really you like i remember you were, were uh teamed up with uh dakota schlosser for a little bit and then now you're yep. burmeister um 
that's just been a crazy like to I, I was always <clears throat> having grown up in Atlanta where that I'm even that's probably a big factor you grew up in Anchorage a little more uh, Anchorage maybe not as tough as someone that lives in you know the middle of nowhere in Alaska but you at least like grew up in Alaska right so I came up yeah to- you know even though I was a, a city boy I was still playing in the sticks you know like every weekend okay. spending my summers out in Trapper Creek and you know kind of living a little bit of the woodsman's life okay, okay and cool. so I got like a touch of it mm. nice nice yeah and go ahead Brennan. Yeah, I was curious, like, how did you, how did you end up meeting Aaron and Tony? Like, was that just kind of like a, that was like a pure chance? Oh, oh, really? So, so, so this, this literally, you just like, you're like, all right, we're going to have some, having some beers with the homies. And then all of a sudden, like, this turns into where you are now, essentially. That's correct. So I was talking shit to Aaron. Um, and he, he got pretty offended, naturally. <laughs> and that's kind of how we became friends. So there was a musher, and I, I, I want to say who it is, but I can't, I can't quite remember. But so I won't say his name. But there's a, a very competitive top ten. I did a rod musher, and I was asking him. This was in 2018, Aaron's first year back after a few year layoff. I go, well, what do you think Aaron's going to do? He goes, Aaron will never win the I did a rod. I go, really? Ooh. And uh, I go, I don't know. He's got third place finish, lots of top tens, you know? And he goes, yeah, he'll never win. He'll never get his fat ass off the seat and, and work. And uh, so I went and I told Aaron that. And so he got, he got I go, yeah, man, uh, rumor is you'll never win the Iditarod. He's like, what? I go, yeah, people says you won't get your fat ass off the seat and pump and work. He goes, I pump, I work. He goes, who said that? And he got all pissed off. And that's kind of how we became, you know, buddies. Oh my God. That is wow. a great story. I did that. Speaking of talking shit to, to in mushing. So at <laughs> Dallas's kennel, they have a bunch of the Iditarod documentaries. I don't know. Have you watched a few yep. of those? Yeah. And it's uh, like half the Aaron show. Dude, it is. He's like, he's got more <laughs> airtime than anyone. It's insane. He's very like diplomatic. I don't know what his day job is, but it, I feel like he's he, a lawyer. He's a businessman. He, yeah. he he runs a very large construction company all throughout Northwest uh, Alaska. So yeah, so he's just like diplomatic and very well spoken guy. And yep. when the, the camera's rolling, he has like a lot of good sound bites. So that's a reason that you see him taking up like you know even if he came in third or fourth place he gets way more time than, you know, Mitch Seavey. Maybe, you know, he's more calm demeanor. He doesn't have as fun of a yeah. sound right or whatever. Anyways, dude, so I was watching, I want to say maybe it was 2014 or maybe, I don't know, but uh, he was close to the lead. He gets the Unilacleat and he he's like, you know, I'm not saying that I have an advantage here, but I did grow up in Nome and I kind of know the coast better than anybody else. And I was like, Oh, that's like, that's a good point. Maybe he is, does have an advantage. And, and then the next interview was Allie Zirkel. And she was like, um, I'm pretty sure that Aaron lives in Ninana. Is there, 
do you know if there's any uh, wind in Ninana or uh, yeah, coast over there? I've seen that one. Yeah, because <laughs> Bruce Lee was saying that, oh, Aaron's got an advantage with his dog team being, you know, being raised in Nome and the wind and the coast and all that. And she was like, she was, she's sharp, you know, and she was like, yeah, Aaron's dogs live in Nanana. There's no wind in Nanana. And it actually, recently, it's been very windy here over the past, like, three to five years it's it's like extremely windy country um but yeah that that was a funny uh funny sound clip from from Allie it, and it's true I mean Aaron's dogs haven't lived in Nome and you know I don't know how long 30 years 20 years I mean so the kennel's been based here in Nanana and Nanana is by the way halfway between Denali National Park and Fairbanks ish and uh yeah we're an hour south of Fairbanks I guess drive wise and I drove from Fairbanks yesterday down to Anchorage for work and I was Mm -hmm. was looking at the kennel every time I pass it you're right on the side of the highway which you know yeah it's uh dude I should have stopped by and I was like well you know I gotta get I gotta go and if I go and see you dude I would be like freaking hanging out for two hours i feel like it. <laughs> we both got shit to do but i uh i saw you there just like doing chores in the yard and just, oh really yeah and i was just like man you know it's so cool because you go and win that connect 200 everyone's like oh look at his frozen mustache this guy won the connect 200 beat brent sass and yada yada and then you're just fast forward like three days and you're just like in the yard just shoveling shit quietly to yourself as the cars zoom by you and it's just that's like it embodies mushing and uh the sled dog life like so much you show up to the race everybody's all up your ass about how cool you are and then you show up back and then you go back to the other 95 percent of your lifestyle which is just solitude with the dogs and quiet yeah, you're, humble work you know no you're lucky to get like one night of like fun to even i mean you know to really even celebrate because like after the race you're going through dogs, you're feeding them, you're getting them on the truck, you're getting gear and sled and all that stuff loaded. Then you got like the mushers, you know, meeting and banquet. And then it's like, maybe have a beer bullshit, but then you got dogs to drop and feed again. And it's like, you just been up for 24 hours straight. And so it's kind of like, all right, have a few beers. And then the next morning you're up early because you got to drop and feed dogs and take care of them. And and then you're hitting the road and you're traveling back. And so it's like very little time for the glamorous stuff, you know, it's very little time for celebration. Dude, I I didn't, that, that's a, you don't have a big, who's helping you. So Tony, Tony, and you know, is he there? Uh, Tony is in, um, he's here in Nanana and, um, he didn't come to the, to the race or anything. I usually go to the races by myself. And then like I had Louise and, uh, Jen Pratt helping me out is, uh, so Louise is Clayka's handler. Oh yeah. Louise, dude. She's like a veterinarian. That's badass. Yeah. Up right there. Yeah. I I, calling her a handler is like disrespectful. It is. She's She's a a full on doctor. (laughs) Yeah. And then plus, I mean, she's raced before and she's yep. been running dogs, you know, so. I think she's uh, supposed to be in this race or uh, and hurt herself or something, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. She she banged her thumb up pretty good. So, um, 
but I, I have Tony there, but he's more of a, um, consultant. He's more of like a, a mentor, a coach, you know, there for the guy. And I mean, Tony's a hard, hard working man. I mean, he'll be, he's out here in the dog yard with me every day, you know, and, um, he'll, he'll cut meat or whatever. If I, you know, if I need the extra help, he's always there for me. Um, and then Aaron's in retirement, of course, and spending time with family. So he's doing his thing. So yeah, it's just kind of a, I guess a one man show where, but I have Tony's help as well. And, um, and how many dogs do you have there? But it's a small kennel. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's pretty manageable. So I've, I had, I started the season off with 17 race dogs. I've narrowed it down to 16. So I got 16 dogs in training and then I got another, you know, eight of uh, puppies and old kind of retired puppy trainer dogs. So nice. And and so Sean was telling me like he showed up to the the start of the Kinnick and he talked to you and, you know, he was getting good vibes. And then you're at the end, you're like, I mean, the dogs are, they're growing up. So full send baby. Um, Yeah. So like, just, I guess I'm curious, like, all these dogs are Aaron's dogs that you've been training over the last few years. Like, how do you get Correct. to, how do you get to the point where you're like, I kind of want to see if I can send it like you were doing. So, so yeah, that was kind of our arrangement slash plan from the beginning. You know, Aaron had a, a group of young dogs, there was 12 of them. And they basically had no training or anything like that. They were just pups. And so he says, raise and train these guys, get your qualifiers with them. These are like your babies. This is your project, you know, cause he's training his 18. He's trying to win. I did a rod. So I come aboard and I'm just solely working with these guys. I'm dad. They're my babies. And that's kind of been the progression over the past three years. And so I've just been solely racing these guys. And this year I mixed in what's left of Aaron's, you know, veteran team. So there's six of them. I think I took four to the Kinnick. Um, I took four to the Kinnick and then I had 10 of my, 10 of my crew. Uh, but they're all Aaron and Tony's dogs. They own them. Um, they're all raised right here in the kennel. So I call them mine just cause I, I feel like they are. And <laughs> in, in their and their dog's head, and I've been in this position too, where you know, yeah, Aaron is the guy that owns the dogs legally. But if you ask the dog, who's yeah, dead, it's you because yep. you've been there for through their entire life. You know, working exactly. with them most of every day. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Kinnick, uh two hundred, dude. So like, yeah, you were plan was to be competitive, and I don't know what at what. I, I've seen you, you know, you did the Kobuck in third place. You did then won the I didn't ride, which was like a pretty like stacked lineup of people. And yeah, good uh, muscles in there, good teams. And uh, I just um, wonder at what point did you go from like, all right, I'm kind of figuring out how to be a musher and just like kind of get out on the trail and camp dogs and run dogs and get them back safely. And it'd be a fun experience for the dogs too. Like I'm going to like, I'm going to compete against the bet, like best sled dogs and mushers in the world. And like, I'm sure you're listening to advice from Tony and Aaron who have competed against and 
very well with the best marchers in the world for like two decades but like i don't know man i i was scared i i'm a i'm a little bitch i think and i was a little scared to like you know i feel bad about you know you, what happens is when i run dogs i when you start to see a dog team run for like for someone from atlanta for 15 miles you're like dude are are we just gonna keep running and then you run 50 miles your first time and you're like wow like they probably need like three days off after a 50 mile run and then you run them 65 and you're like dude what the hell are you telling me 65 miles run and they're still like you've set the hook and they like are still trying to pull the hook loose and you just when you go in when I ran the I did her I was always like ah, only a four hour rest like what and so it was always me inhibiting the dogs because my perception of what they needed as a rest but it's because if what what if I was running this much I'm thinking oh man I, I would need like a long time off and so to be able to break that mental barrier of like the dogs I know I, I know I know that they're totally fine they're like can they're not even close to emptying the tank you know I don't know just how do you go from like mushing and learning and just like going and having beers at that Diderot banquet to then mushing normally and just kind of running dogs to then all of a sudden you're winning races. Oh, with, with Brent Sass at, at the end of the connect 200. You know, I just don't talk to me about that. I mean, you're definitely right. There are, there's levels to this. Like, you know, like you said, you touched on it, you know, you, you go from running and training dogs and then you go to like racing, but you're kind of racing around at more of a camping trip type pace. And then there's being a, you know, a competitive musher you know fit coming in in the top three or top five and it's definitely a different level but i'd say the one thing is just being confident in my dog team and knowing like what they can do and just pulling the hook and it, that first year of racing my first two races i did the willow 300 i took them there I think we took like 13th out of 42 teams or whatever. And then really impressive, like just for everyone, like that's like a really fucking good race. 13th place. And those are competitive, a lot of competitive teams. Fast uh, yeah, no, yeah, for just, sure. And so, and I ran them, I guess what we had as a puppy schedule and I didn't, I didn't stop on like the long 70 mile runs but I was stopping every hour, you know, for their little micro break. I was stopping every, you know, two hours for a snack. I was being really religious with that kind of stuff. And then obviously doing my full mandatory. So which in that race is 18 hours. So it's, that's quite a bit of rest. Um, you know, you're getting a minimum of four hours each, each checkpoint, you know, anywhere from four to six hours. So, right. Uh, still by the way uh, whoa, 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 whoa. you're telling me four to six hours of rest is a lot of rest dude you try fucking going and spending seven hours at 30 below outside then feeding a bunch of dogs and like <laughs> down straw and put taking out their booties putting their booties on getting an hour nap in and then going <laughs> and doing it again four to six hour rest it sounds long when you're following the tracker along but dude the six hour rest is it's a two hour rest for the human at yeah, most i mean it's right yeah. but it's 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 over in you know what 50 something hours or, right right so 
I guess for me, the human rest part wasn't really an issue. I was all jacked up on adrenaline, you know? So it's like first dog race, you're too hyped up to sleep. You don't care. And then, and then we went to the quest 300 and we took, I think Ben good beat me by like 30 seconds for fifth place. So I took six. And so I that race the year I was, or he won copper basin in 2018. He's a, he's, very good yeah yeah so like dan caduce won it Hugh naff deke ben good those were like the the guys in front of me um so good field of mushers in front but i i don't know it just i saw what the dogs could do i saw their talent um and i had a lot of confidence and i know what i put into it as well and like all of our training leading up to the races and so I think it was just a matter of, yeah, having that confidence and pulling the hook. And then like me not getting like heady out there, like, oh man, this is, you know, I haven't slept yet and or it's 50 below or that so, kind of shit. So what is the longest race that you've done so far? The Kobuck 440. The 440. And that yep. was one that you got third place third. in? Yep. So what, what was that like? I mean, uh, was that, a, you know, that's not a 52 hour race. That's a little bit longer. So like yeah, for, so that for was you 70- mentally, what did that like adding on that mileage? Did that do a lot for things? That, that you definitely learn how to manage a dog team in that race. Cause it's, uh, it's four 90 mile runs in a 75. So you're short on that and it's only 20 hours of mandatory rest, 20 hours. I think it's, I think it's the toughest mid distance race in the world. Cause you only have 20 hours of mandatory. You have four 90 mile runs and a 70. So managing a dog team with only, and these guys are moving. Plus you're going against, you know, Richie Deal and Jeff King and Hugh Neff and Jesse Holmes and Ryan Reddington. And God you got, damn. you know, you got the biggest names in mushing up there. You're going through the heart of the Brooks Range. I mean, you got hills, you got rivers, you got, and the, the trail is, it, you're dealing with storms. Like it's a soft trail, deep snow. Uh, you're dealing with like 50 degrees in the sunlight during the day and then Jesus. it drops like 40 below at night i mean oh. huge 100 degree temperature swings like so to manage a dog team through the cobuck i mean it's one thing if you're stopping at the shelter cabins and things like that and breaking them up into 50 mile runs but doing the 90s straight you know 90 90 90 i mean it's you do a, that is that what the winners do yeah dude I need to, I, I, I've never, I, by the time the Kobuck runs around, I'm like kind of half-assed following it. I need to get, I'm going to definitely be following it closely this year, but that. And I like, I had no idea it was that intense of a race, you know, like my few years of following mushing, it's like, oh yeah, Kobuck 440. I know it's a big race, but I had no idea like actually what really went into it. And then before I went up there, Tony was like, that's a tough fucking dog race. You know, he goes, you want to go to a real dog race? You go to the Cusco and you go to the Kobuck. That will show you what your team can do and what you can do as a dog driver. It's an interesting opinion there. I like that. And um, that's what, because you got the Cusco 300 mile race, you got 
you know, 90 to 100 mile runs in that race, and you only have 10 hours of rest. So while 40 hours, race, 40 hours yeah. to finish for the winner. Yep. Typically. Well, shit, I, I finished the race in 40 hours and like uh, some change, and I only, uh, I placed 12th. Jesus. And I, and I ran a 40 hour race. The winners, the winners are clipping along at 11 miles an hour for, for 300 miles straight doing 90 mile. I mean, like, so it's a whole nother level of dog driving. So those races definitely boosted my confidence of like seeing what a dog can do, how to manage a dog team, um, just everything that's involved. So like doing those races definitely helped obviously having like Aaron and Tony, um, as someone to always fall back on and like ask questions and how to get the dog set up for them. Like that's priceless, you know? Yeah. I forgot that you ran the Cusco and you're about to do that here. What is that? Like next weekend? Yep. Right? Dude, that's like, yeah, that's the race. Uh, you know, if you ever don't want to run the Iditarod, but you still want to mush and you want to not be totally hosed financially, go and run the Cusco, and they have the yeah. biggest purse per mile of any sled dog race on the planet. I think the winner gets 25 grand, which is pretty yeah. – well, that's how much the winner of the Iditarod got either yeah. last year or the year before. And it's 25 grand and, longer. and 38 hours of work. You know, that's, yeah. that's pretty dang good. And you can only – you don't have to train for 1,000 miles. Train for 300, so it's a shorter training season. And, uh, you know, if you get 12th place, let's tell, tell me what that prize money is. 12th place. Five grand. Five grand, dude, for 12th place. You're like, you're, you're, you're getting a little, you're paying it's for some dog food right there. Yeah. And then like the Copac as well. Like I won 10 grand for third place. And I think first place was almost 20 nice. at the Copac. And by so, the way, I, mean, I just want to say, you know, this is something that anyone in the mushing community knows. But we're tossing around these numbers like Eddie's just rolling around in like money, like some dragon in the cave in a cave. No, dude, like this is probably probably some, if not all of it's going to Aaron or it's going right back yeah. into dog food. And, you know, so, like you're you're not you're not sitting there like counting your Benji's, you know. No, no. Uh, it all goes back into the kennel and like, obviously I don't do it for the money. I don't think anybody in the sport does it for the money. Cause uh, if that was the case, we wouldn't be in it very long. Right. Um, so it all goes back to the kennel and I mean, shit, I think this year so far, I probably have spent like 20 grand, you know, for I did a rod. And you still got a, got a, some money to spend in front of you. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And it, you know, we're not done spending money. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not a cheap endeavor. No. As and so that's a, that's a re very reasonable progression to have gone. And you said you did the willow and then you went to the Kobuk, then you hit the cusp. Right, well, I went what to the it? willow. I went to the quest and quest. then the, I didn't rod. So yes. I, Aaron was on, I did a rod and um, well, so I didn't really talk to him too much about the race or what the plans were or anything like that. And then, so I was sitting down with Tony and I go, well, you know, they got two 300s under their belt. Like, I think, you know, these dogs would be, be ready to race. It's only 200. And he goes, yep, no, go over there and race it. 
I go, okay. He goes, Damn. give him hell. And so I, we kicked a few ideas back and forth and there wasn't anything um, special about our, about our plan. You know, it was a mandatory six, no drop dogs. You could split up your mandatory six. Um, you could do like three on the way in and three on the way back or kind of however you wanted. So some mushers did that. I chose to do all mine right up front. So it was a 50 so wait, mile. Wait, 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 wait. On. It's 200 miles. You have how, how many stops are there for their six there's hours? Only one, there's only uh, one checkpoint. Okay. And it was at the, at the Big Sioux. So Jeff's little camp there, you know? Oh, okay. So you so could go, it was two laps of the same, it's a hundred miles. No. So then we went up to McLaren. Oh. And then, so, but McLaren didn't count for mandatory rest. Gotcha. So you had two chances and it was at mile 50 or mile 150, essentially. Exactly. Okay. And then, so I chose to do my mandatory six all up front. Like I said, there's no drop dogs. It was a 10 dog race. Yeah. You had, you had to haul in all your own gear, all your own, your food for the race, you know, your drop bags, everything. It was unsupported. So it was like old uh, gnome kennel rules. So I really liked the setup. I I think Jeff did a great job with it. Um, And it teaches you once again, how to manage a dog team, no drop dogs, like, you know, now you're running your your rev limiter is your weakest dog right. you know right and so to keep everybody in the team you know you're kind of running at whatever your weakest dog is and it keeps you from definitely overthrottling. so i did my six some guys yeah decided to break it up i went to mclaren which is another, I think that's 40 miles from the, I think, yeah, about 40 miles from the Big Sioux. Yeah. And so I ran up there. I did a 30-minute or 20-minute water break, watered everybody. And then I did a nonstop run from McLaren all the way back to the, back to the truck, back to the finish line. Damn, bro. That's so it. that's why I, I guess in my first year of racing, that's where what I really got to see, like what a dog team could Jeez. do. Cause that's... it did like 120 mile run in 30 minutes of rest. Yeah. I've done a couple of long ones out there on the highway and uh, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, that's a gnarly, you know, that's, you go to six, 50 mile run ish. There's 50 something, six hour rest. 40 mile run, 30 minute break. And then what is it like 80 back to the right from McLaren or 70 something? McLaren, yeah, it's like 90 miles. 90 miles. Yeah. 90, 90 something mile run. Wild. That's wild, dude. So yeah, that's a good progression of like, all right, you know, I'm sure I'm I'm willing to bet that you guys are not running these many, that many, like over 50 miles at and training. It's, it's like, you know, so we're like firm. It's kind of interesting. Cause like Tony's got a style of mushing. I have a style of mushing. I'd say me and Tony are really similar. And then Aaron is, he likes to do longer runs. He's kind of more of like a marcher 
He's kind of got his old school style. He likes doing like 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, he likes doing long runs. Um, Tony and I are kind of more, we like doing short runs, keeping the speed up, keeping the dog teams all crazy and raising hell and sparky, you know, and with short runs, you're able to do that. Um, So that's kind of more of our training program. I mean, we're doing a lot of anywhere from 20s to 50s. Yeah. And we just stay like in those parameters. And every once in a while, if I'm going to go to a race where they got to do a 90 or something, then I'll show them like a 70. And if they right. can do a 70, they can do a 90. Yeah. The know? marathon runners like Brendan does like these, you know, sprint uh, triathlon things. You know, you never run the fur full distance in training. Um, no. Right. So, dude, you have a lead dog named Blunt. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. I just Blunt love that. You got a blunt, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't think he's named after the, you know, rolling up a doobie. It's, it's named after something else, right? No, he is. Um, He's a 420 litter. So. Oh, he's a 420 oh, litter. Wow. <laughs> nice. Hilarious. What's the, what's yeah. the, name? or what's the names? Um, So there's, there's blunt, diesel, sativa, kush and hooter oh man that's amazing that's <laughs> i amazing. love that dude i i uh, that reminds me when i ran I, my first i did a ride and i had the four days notice i was chiefing all winter and then <laughs> and then i have four days and i know that you know they don't drug test you before the race but they drug test you at the last checkpoint so i have four You're days a- <laughs> and i'm just like chugging i remember my dude my my buddy alex he uh, you know him. He uh, yep. Butel. He sent me this. <laughs> he put this in the drop bag in Elam, and it was this letter. And it's and it was like, all right, what to do to piss clean? You then he's like, drink two Nalgene's of water, uh, <laughs> you know. And I don't. And then uh, the run from Elam to White Mountain is was like over Little McKinley, and it was like fucking ripping wind and was like yeah i was having an existential crisis and then the elam 11 like couldn't go through that section of trail after we did so like we barely made it and then everybody else couldn't make it and so i'm sitting here like in a storm like fucking and i'm just sitting here like i gotta chug the water you know and it's just like (laughs) blowing crazy i'm like gotta piss clean here and anyways i got i did pass the drug test but i didn't pass the finish line so it uh, gets kind of a happy ending uh but uh the so yeah that's cool dude having a lead dog named blunt and then um so you're you've done all these like super fast like long run fast schedule races you're gonna run the cusco 300 and uh that is the epitome of uh like one of the shortest amount of rests in a 300 mile race you have 10 mandatory hours of rest uh you know we'll break essentially there's one four hour rest at the final checkpoint before you do a 50 mm-hmm. mile run or something like that. Um, and I can't remember the name of that little village, but, uh, Tulip sack, dude, that's such a trippy place. I've, I've get to, I've never ran the race, but I, you know, we would drive to that checkpoint and there's just like, mm-hmm. there would just be like feral kids running around everywhere. Just like, Hey, how's it going, man? And I'm like, who yeah. are and where are your, where's your parents at? And I guess that's just kind of, what's going on in the village they you know that's maybe the village life man the, the village life is is a i still got a lot to Wild learn the village life. 
Wild and free. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's like you go, you know, uh, you have to people break that up with like a two hour rest and a four hour rest or a two, two and two. And that's going to be interesting to watch. And I'm stoked for you. And you're going to definitely be people are going to be thinking uh, you're going to be on people's radar. I know that. Um, Possibly. <laughs> and uh, but that's the plan is to go over there and, and, and race again you know and, yeah. and be competitive and yeah that race is uh that is it is i i like like i said you know but for people i've talked i've talked with a lot of you know recreational like racers that are mm-hmm. like with marathons you got people trying to win and you got people people trying to get their personal best and people trying to get to the finish line and so for sure with all these races and I've never been one of the ones that tries to win a race. Although at the finish, at the start line, every time I'm like, I'm going to fucking, I'm totally winning this bad, this bad boy. And then I get like 30 miles in and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to take it easy on this one. Um, Tenth place looks good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, like when you run the Cusco, I don't know, man, like what is, I just like, all right let me let me change this question so you're going to run all these really fast aggressive races they're they're aggressive schedules and then you're going to go and run the iditarod and you've never tapped in your rookie iditarod you've never done a long distance race you could argue the Cobuck 440 is kind of close to that but in reality maybe not um so I th- you've seen these mushers like you know last year you saw Hugh Neff or you know Nick Petit's had his issues where they are really good at mid distance races and then they go and hit that same mentality for the Iditarod and it bites them in the ass at halfway or three quarters in or two thirds in you know what how is your mentality going into the Iditarod going to change after having tr- having this I'm going to win mentality in the mid-distance races and then you're going to hit the Iditarod as a rookie never seen the trail you know you got dogs a lot of dogs that haven't seen the trail and it's a new it's your it's a new realm so like what how's yeah. your approach to that so even with like mid-distance it definitely still takes a lot of discipline and like there's guys like Nick and Hugh and like you can even see it with them I mean they have amazing dog teams and they're great mushers but like man they really run that red line you know like right. they get out there like they're pulling the hook and the drag mats up and they're going you know 13 Dude. 14 miles out of the gate all right and you said it i was like man uh you know that's what that's what i was getting at you know you're running that red line for these for the when the cusco it seems like the 10th place finishers running the red line you know yeah it's like um, yeah go ahead so i think like in Kinnick and in Kobuk, like, you know, I, I, my speed limit was 11, which is obviously still real fast for a nine, you know, hundred mile runs, but like it takes discipline. It's easy to get caught up into the race. Like I could have just fucking picked up the drag mat and let him roll and catch up to Hugh and Michelle going 12 and 13 miles an hour, you know, but it's like, I know what my dog team's capable of. I know what, that red line is and this is what i need to travel at what i think to be right there in the end and still have enough juice in the tank to like to race 
And so like I was 20 minutes behind them leaving the checkpoint at, at Kinnick Lake, you know, 20 minutes oh, that, behind them. So but like 20 minutes, wait, just just to be clear, 20 minutes behind the first place? Behind Brent, all of them. Behind Brent, Hugh, Michelle, Nick, because they all left like basically at the same time within a couple of minutes of each other. And you chase so them was, down like a freaking Dude, you chase yeah. 20 minutes of to catch Let's up go, and you have a 98 boy. mile run. <laughs> and so that's where like I knew I was gonna come in 20 minutes behind it. Or I was gonna leave that checkpoint 20 minutes behind it. But it's the once again, like the discipline. You know what your dogs are capable of, you know where you need to run them to get the most out of them, you know where that red line is. So it's the same thing going into Iditarod. Like I know there's a certain threshold that I have to keep my dogs under to get them a thousand miles. Or I think I have a good idea, even though, I mean, obviously I haven't done it. Um, and so I just think that discipline, that patience is going to be like key. And then plus the, the training is going to change after Cusco. Like oh, yeah. I got to kind of, I, I got to re-gear the dogs right now. They're, they're amped up to run at, you know, 10 and a half, 11 miles an hour. That's their natural gait. Um, obviously for a thousand mile race, it's, that's a little too fast. So it's going to be re-gearing the dogs, get them slowed down a bit, you know, and there's obviously ways to do that in training and get them more into Iditarod mode. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at for Iditarod and switching gears. What is your, uh, I don't know. I mean, how was, how was you went to the rookie meeting, you know, what, what are you thinking going into Iditarod? Are you like, you just want to, I mean, everyone just wants to run the most efficient best race that your dog team is good for. And and when you're running these races, you're not that's, it's cool that you're it's like, I, I know my dog team and 11 miles an hour is, and when you say red line, the red line is if you go 12 over, let's say you, you say your line is 11 and you go 12. Well, you maybe are in some of those mushers in the past, you know, maybe they have gone over that speed and it's not like, oh no, like the dogs aren't going to be okay. The dogs are doing fine. It's just yeah. their speed is going to drop to eight, you know, or nine or whatever. Exactly. So and I mean, there's times where I was pinging 12, 12 and a half, but you can't do it for any substantial amount of time. You start right. doing it for a while, then that's kind of like when you start chipping away at, you know, the reserves. The reserves. Yeah. So your your first run's gonna be hot, you know. Yeah. You can go run, you can go run them at 12 miles an hour and you're gonna come in pretty hot. But then about, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles that dog team's going to start to descend, you know, they're going to start dropping and yeah, now they're going to be in travel mode. So like that's that, I guess that was my mentality going into that race. And like, I knew 20 minutes was going to be like a lot to make up, you know, on, on Brent and Nick. And so like I started seeing headlamps and I was just like, all right, bloody boy. Let's go Hell get him. Yeah. And Let's get blunted, dude. And then you pass Brent and you're like, you just got blunted, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so 
yeah, like I passed him the first time because I knew I had to drop a dog in Deshka. So I was just like, well, I'm going to go past Brent and then I'm going to stop in Deshka and drop a dog so he can't get, you know, too far in front of me. So I fucking stopped as soon as I could coming into Deshka. And, um, you know, that way he had to wait on me and then I could drop my dog and then we could leave out of there. And so that was kind of my game plan was just like stay close to Brent or stay behind him. So I let him pass me after we left Deshka. And uh, I was like, okay, I want to go all the way till I snack my dogs. And then after I snack them, I'm going to get them rolling. And hopefully we can drive them to the finish line. And that's enough to like keep that cushion. And then snacked I'm them in in Deshka? I snacked them after Deshka, like an hour past. So, okay. So you stopped, like stopped, like, I wouldn't think you stopped more than twice on that run or something, you know, unless you really have to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. That, that was kind of, I knew at that like 50 something mile mark, that was going to be the last, the last time I, I stopped that dog team, you know, for, for a reason. I mean, unless yeah, I ended up having to stop him because I ended up having some terrible terrible encounters with like the back of the pack oh god dude yeah i was concerned for you guys narrow trails come like uh, blind corners and then of course like you know there's there's some of the back of the pack they pass great and their dogs are doing awesome and then there's some that are like obviously training puppies and things Mm -hmm. like that so they're like dog team and they're just like flared out all over the trail and fighting and whatever just kind of chaos so i had a couple of bad passes and then i'm like oh shit here comes brent like i'm gonna get passed up now but it ended up all working out and um yeah we were able to keep them rolling you know and they were feeling really good so it was enough to to pull it off dude that's that's got to be so fun to just i don't know i can't imagine because you're just you i i could have with maybe a little more, you know, uh, I don't know, gusto or maybe a little more work ethic. I could, I could be, you know, competing with these guys too. And then just to think that what if, what if I just was toe to toe with Brent Sass at the end of a race, like that would be the craziest shit ever. And you're just like toe to toe with Brent Sass, Nick Petit, Michelle Phillips, Hugh Neff, and Eddie fucking Burke. And you're just like, I got this dude. And it's like, that's just the, uh, that's gotta be so cool to, I don't know. Like how fun is that, man? You know, you probably at some point you hit like a low point in that 200 mile race where you're like, fuck. And then you're like, you see a headline and you're like, yeah, all right. You know, it's, I don't know. It's like gotta be a roller coaster ride. And, and, and also let me throw this in there. At what point did you realize you won? Like, like you didn't get to the finish line and be like, Oh, I won. Like when did, at what point did you know? Like, Oh, I got Brent. I got this. It was, I, I felt like, well, definitely when I got to no man's land, I'm like, there was a long straight stretch and no man's lands five miles. Up. And it's like, so I start looking back on this long straight stretch and I can't see Brent. So I'm like, all right, we got five miles to the finish. He's not in sight. And there's not a whole lot of area to pass. So, like, he's going to have to be really hauling ass. And I'd have to really be, like, death spiraling, you know, for for him to catch me. So, it was, like, at that point, I felt really confident. 
Um, but it definitely was exciting. I mean, it was extremely emotional. Like, I think I even cried, you know, on my way to the finish line, like just seeing the dogs, the way they were performing, like they were just rolling, you know, like I had them going and they were looking good. And it's like, yeah, like Sean said, you know, it's just you're going against some of the, the top mushers in the game and some incredible dog teams. And then like I've watched this dog team grow from puppies to to badasses, you know, and it's like we're we're making it. And of course, it's you know, I don't want to like make this into a big deal because it's the Connect 200. It's you know, it's a great mid distance race. It's a big race and all. But I didn't win the I did a rod, you know. I didn't yeah, win the Pesco yeah, 300. So it's still it's, pretty cool though. It, it's cool, and it's very rewarding. And like I'm proud as hell. Uh, but then again, like here I got Cusco next week. So it's just kind of like on right. to the next one. Right we got work. Next. Yep. And you're like definitely a pretty heavy underdog in Cusco and you're competing against Richie Deal and Pete Kaiser. And then, you know, of course I did or I you're gonna you're a rookie, you know, it's like how what's the best rookie finish in the last few years is probably Miller Portion and Jesse at in seventh. You know, and yeah. Mill is and like think- an insane level of experience, you know, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to follow you, but I'm glad that you keep that humility of like, all right, let's keep things in perspective. Like the connect 200 is not the Iditarod and no, you know. it, there's one, there's levels, there's levels to this. Yeah. And like, um, Cusco is definitely the premier mid distance, you know, dog race there is. Yeah, and you're going against the best and it's just the format of it's extremely challenging so like you know we're i'm focused on that keeping things in perspective like and uh and i did a rod i'm a rookie i've never done a thousand mile race so like keeping shit in perspective there um but i definitely want to be competitive i think i have a top 10 dog team and you know that's my goal dude that's all right. badass I, I i'm all right hell yeah dude i'm looking at the copper basin 300 you never ran that one right haven't run the copper who's uh who's doing what so we got brent sasson lead um <clears throat> let's see we've got matt hall in second and i look i have i haven't seen how much mando they've all taken so it could be kind of a false um appearance there because you have 18 hours of mandatory rest all they all have to be of course at the checkpoints and so that's tricky it's kind of fun you know I gotta say I uh (laughs) I find it kind of satisfying that this race forces Brent Sass to like spend more than three minutes at a checkpoint (laughs) and (laughs) dude he ran the whole fucking Iditarod and he's and he only did the Mando uh, then yep. the White Mountain, his 24 and whatever the eight hour is. And maybe one other quick stop at a checkpoint. But the man loves just to be in the bush with his dogs. And honestly, he's probably on to something because the dogs, especially in that first half of the race, are going to rest way better out in the middle of nowhere than they will surrounded by 30 rowdy teams. Um, and yeah. other people could argue differently that it's nice to be at the checkpoints, maybe take better care of the musher. So that, that means better dog care. You know, you can make the arguments either way, but um, it's cool to see him having to stop at some checkpoints. And then you got uh, Matt Hall in second, 
uh, Cody Straith in third. Uh, dude, Hedda Mosleth, who is running Dallas CV Dogs. What do you know about Hedda? Do you know anything? I don't. I don't know. I just know she's running. Yeah, she's with Dallas. That's so. pretty. She's she's fourth place. You know, and they're getting close to the halfway point. That's be it's something interesting to watch. Is this her rookie race or? Her uh, no, she ran. Um, she's run two eight dog qual. Like she ran like the eight dog class of the Finmark three hundred or whatever, and then another okay. eight dog race somewhere else. I don't know where. I- so this is her first twelve dog race, and then, and she's twenty one, and she's in fourth place. And I met her a few days ago, and I was she was she was you know saying she's got her schedule to finish you know at, at this time on Monday or whatever, and and I was like. Uh, okay like if you think so you know because you see a 21 year old and you're like they're just gonna come on you know and then she's yeah. out here she's fucking definitely proven proven whatever thoughts i had there yeah absolutely um so yeah you know that's the there's a slew a bunch of people that are at the checkpoint behind those five mushers but those are the five that have left uh sourdough at 100 mile 130 and and they still got 160 to go so who like who do you like there in that top five? I mean, I definitely, uh, before the race started, uh, of course, I mean, you got to have Brent, Nick. You know, I figured Cody would be up there. Uh, Matt Hall. Um, I even figured Riley Dyke. Uh, yeah, dude, he's uh, he's a dark, he's literally hit the name of his kennel. Yeah, he's a dark kennel. horse. Like, he he's a wild card for sure. Um, so I figured those guys would be right up there in that, that top five. Um, but it's cool to see some other names. And like you said, we're not really sure who's got what for mandatory rest right now in the bank, but that race is kind of interesting because most 300 mile races only have four checkpoints. That one has five. So you have like a fifth checkpoint to do a little extra rest. So I don't know. It's kind of a little bit different of a strategy. Like it is totally different style. (laughs) You see people doing like a two at the first one, you know, at Tulsana or like doing a three and then going up to um, what's the second checkpoint? Is that sourdough? Um, You know, doing like a three there. It's just kind of like a weird split. Or you got like a guy like Nick, he does a straight 75 mile run and then takes a rest, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. So you Brent Sass is like right now to me, I mean, head and shoulders and chest and stomach above like the, like he's the, the guy he's been, he's been having like arguably the best trained dog team in the last five Iditarods, but like his execution of the Iditarod maybe hindered him from a win or two in those last five years. And then now he's, you know, he, he's won that freaking quest three times thousand mile thousand mile race you know it's just like to me he's like clearly this guy's he's defending champ he's the he's the favorite and then like i'd be pretty surprised if someone beat him but i think you know it's certainly uh i mean it's definitely possible and i you know you have these folks that have been knocking on the door jesse holmes you know i think nick petit's probably kind of building his uh kennel back to some prime dogs so you know i think you know maybe three years ago he's a favorite to try and win but maybe not so much this year 
I don't know, maybe he'll, if he, if he heard this, he'd probably be like, fuck you, Sean, you're, I'm going to win this thing, you know, but um, yeah, you know, uh, who would be like your top three to challenge Brent, you know, Milla, you know. For Iditarod? Iditarod, yeah. Yeah, I, so th- there's levels to that as well, you know, like you have guys running a top 10 schedule. It's, I mean, that's like half a day behind, you know, first place you know can't like look at last year i think uh, you know jesse holmes is definitely i i'll be rooting for jesse i hope he you know is able to like kick it up another notch and be right there with brent or battle him and get like a i did a rod win um but i think even like jesse taking third last year i think he was still like nine hours behind uh Dallas and Brent I mean that's a pretty big time gap as far as like schedules running dog you know so there's a difference between top 10 top five and top three in a in a winning pace schedule you know so who's got the balls to really pull the hook and like elevate and start racing a championship schedule so that's kind of like the biggest question for me and there's obviously a lot of really talented dog drivers, a lot of really capable teams, but it's the driver, you know, who's gonna, who's got the balls to just pull the hook and, and send it and make a move and pressure Brent. Cause right now he's been over the past couple of years, the past three years, the only mushers to be running a winning pace schedule was Dallas Brent and Aaron. You know, you look at the past three years and you have Dallas, Brent and Aaron all in the top three pushing the pace. You know, I mean, Aaron, he he was in third place all the way to Unicleed, I guess, in this past year's I did run. And then he ended up finishing eighth. But he was, you know, in third place all the way up to the up to the coast and trying to push that pace, you know, and um, Brent obviously was Dallas obviously was over the past several years. So I think Jesse will be a great contender. It'll be interesting to see what Dane Caduce does. If he, dude, I, if he, he Caduce, up, we, dude, Dan Caduce is like, firstly, what is it like? Dewclaw kennel or whatever, you know, yeah. um, Jody has a good Facebook presence, his wife, but mm-hmm. you know, he just is one of those guys that goes quietly about his business. You like don't even know he's in the idea right, and then he just slaps you in the face with a fucking fourth place finish, dude. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm stoked for him. And then the other name of Pete Kaiser, you know, it's it's like he's either going to be right up there or he's going to be like maybe kind of like eighth, you know, like iron. So, like Pete and Richie, they have prime age dog teams. You know, mm-hmm. they both they're coming off good finishes. What fifth and sixth place, both of them. Uh, and they finished with big teams. So, like, we'll see if they kick it up another notch, you know. But, like, those – they're conservative mushers as well, though, you know. I think, like, it's one of those Pete things. Won. That's That's you what, know, why everything got to kind of play out just right. Right. Uh, so, it's, it's – yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, who's going to pull the hook and do, like, Caltag Unicleat or, you know make make those hundred mile runs and like take the gamble right. and not just 
like play it safe because someone's going to have to pressure Brett, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, there's probably a long list of dog teams that could pressure Brent, but a short list of mushers that are going to be bold enough to uh, attempt that. And and, then you say there's the long hundred mile run, but like, you know, Dallas is one of of those guys that has, I don't, I don't know how many other people have been pulling it off the, where he doesn't, maybe he does one long run on the coast or something, but he's, he just does that short run, short rest style. That's fascinating. Yep. And uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 excited to follow the race this year. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, there's not really a, another tactician out there like Dallas. You know, in the past like several years, you know, there's he's he's like in a whole nother world. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Millie, she's got a phenomenal dog team. She's really savvy dog driver um ryan reddington travis beals wade mars like those are all guys yeah wade's, dude wade is wade is going to be someone who's got a lot to prove he took a year off he moved away from alaska and i think he's going to be pretty horned up to get up there in the top three and uh and then um and he's running the quest 550 so nice. he'll definitely have a hardened team you know coming in tied to the pod yeah and uh, what was the other name you said it was you said wade and it was Miller. wade travis ryan Red ryan I, Dude, ryan's definitely one of those guys that's not afraid to to get out there pull the hook. early yeah <laughs> he'll pull the hook um so you know one of these years it might work out for early him. what's that i said he just needs to not do it early he just seems to be real aggressive in the in the front half of the race yeah yeah well cool man oh this has been super fun and wait, uh, wait, hold on hold on one second yeah hold Brandon. On, one, all right one talk second. to me buddy talk to all me. right like there's a lot of questions that i have that i'm just gonna let like go to the side because we have to discuss this all right eddie we need to see the hair bro we need to see the hair <laughs> if Come i took on. my hat off right now i wouldn't be doing myself any favors but no uh... favors dude we, we we literally we talked about how when sean ran the the race like he was the guy who had like the the hair, right? And it's like you kind of you kind of are gonna take uh, the throne. I got some curls back there, you know. Yeah, dude. yeah, dude. What are, what are we doing here, man? I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's fun, dude. Yeah, you had like really short hair when you started this, and now you know you grow it all the way out, and you're running on Iditarod. So it's it's not saying that we're that Samson from the Bible is com- comparable to Eddie and I, but you know, the longer our hair gets, the stronger we are, you know, so. It, it's science. It's, it is. It's, it's bro science. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, well, like I used to have an Afro and then, um, and then I was growing it out long and it was just all crazy. And then I want to be more aerodynamic, you know, for racing. <laughs> so I figured, I figured the mullet would be a good move. Nice. Heck Yeah. Oh, so you have like a mullet going on? So like the top of the head is like kind of buzzed. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I gotta. It right now it's yeah. You know, I've been in Nannerville, so I haven't been able to. It's like a mid mullet. The baba, but uh, you know, we'll uh, I'll get it all pretty before uh, I did a rod. All right, all right. As long as you do. We'll get okay. up. <laughs> Heck yeah. You I'm have any stoked. other questions, Brennan? I'm stoked to see that. I'm very stoked. Um, well, are you gonna be up here? Say it again. Are you going to be up here in Alaska for Iditarod or? 
No, I would love to be. I don't have any plans. I, I have a one-year-old. He is kind of like the uh, the main focus in life right now. Um, yeah. But I have a very, very big itch to fulfill by getting up to Alaska. And I would definitely love to do it around a race. I did or I would be badass the start or getting to Nome and seeing the end. That would be also pretty cool as well. So I also uh, want, saw a picture on the connect website of you getting to hug your daughter at the finish of the connect 200. I, that I'm sure you said you were crying. That had to be way. emotional. That had to have been. No, special. That, that made me cry again, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's nothing like having your daughter there and she's proud and, and it's hard, man. Like the mushing uh, lifestyle is not the most family oriented life. It's it's difficult balance. So like being away from her for a lot of the winter, it's it's tough. Like it's not ideal, um, but we make it work. And so like my family always tries to like make a point to bring her to all the races. And like that way I can see her as much as I can. So it's it's definitely special. Yeah, dude, that's got to be really hard and uh yeah you know that's that's that must have been a pretty sweet moment and i'm sure you'll be thinking about her a lot out there on the trail in the cusco and i did a rod and yeah dude i'm stoked that i you gotta i'm i think this is a, was a great hour of talking and uh and yeah thanks for taking time out of your busy dog mushing and sled dog training schedule to hang out with me and brennan hell yeah, yeah. no i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on yeah, 